Welcome to the Success IQ Podcast, the show for entrepreneurs who want to create and live an exceptional life. I'm your host, Jeff Nicholson, and this is episode 51. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world, I truly hope you are having a fantastic week. We've got a great guest today, Stephen Pettit. Now, Stephen is a man from many places, um, but he is currently living in Hong Kong, I think it is. Stephen, is that right? Yes, yeah. Yes. Well, I, I sort of travel hotel to hotel. Ah, excellent. What a great lifestyle. So Stephen is, a, is an internalization architect working to create internationalized businesses and lifestyles for his clients. He has started, sold, and operates businesses around the world. Stephen is using his skills to help other in, internationalize. This is a real tongue twister for me, folks. Their businesses and lifestyles to take advantage of their opportunities available in the new and ever-changing 21st century economy. Stephen, thank you very much for joining me. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Jeff, and I'm glad to be here. Yeah, it's it, it's really nice. I mean, obviously, your weather is going to be lovely. Why is it about 57 degrees? Um, <laughs> well, we, we can roast the chicken on the sidewalk, yeah. yeah so, yeah. okay. But, uh, I think we've it, just been warned that it's going to be single digits again in the uh, up in the northeast this week. So we've we've had our summer, I think. <laughs> so it's a beautiful summer day in the UK. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's a usual <laughs> summer day in the UK. I think. I think yeah. the only one to get it is Wimbledon. Because obviously that's yes. running at the minute. Um, so, Stephen, can you give us a little bit of a uh, an idea of your background and your journey that's brought you to this place today? Yes, that's for sure. Um, I, I joined the Navy uh, early, um, say straight out of school. Uh, joined the Australian Navy, went and saw the saw the world, uh, travelled a lot through Asia, uh, and and managed to do courses and and work with the the British Navy as well during the time. I spent ten years there. After I left that, I went come and joined the family business, and uh, we were in hardware manufacturing, so door locks and hinges, and you know, we had uh, other other businesses in that as well. But that was the primary focus where I joined. I moved to Hong Kong around 2000, 2001 to establish the China manufacturing operations and our global sales office here in Hong Kong, uh, and then from there we um, we built businesses in the in the US, in the UK, um, in Europe. Uh, we we did uh, sales all through Asia, um, Australia, of course, New Zealand. Um, in in the hardware game, we got out of that business uh, in 2007, 2008. Um, I went off and and sort of worked with some politicians. I, I had this thing that you know I was going to going to change the world and and uh, you know try, try and somehow fix the political scene. And well, that failed. <laughs> um, and then I decided, well. Look, um, I've been building companies and stuff internationally and friends that keep asking me, you know, so where's the best place to structure and, you know, how can we do this and where can I get a bank account? And so I just started and fell into this business of um, of helping people structure around the world and, and I really love it. It's mm. um, every day there's something new, um, something challenging um, and, uh, and, and away we go. I suppose it's, it must be a very versatile group of people you work with. It, it is. Um, we work with everyone from um, billionaires to um, to to gardeners, mm. um, and and from people all over the world as well. Uh, China. I've got Chinese clients. I've got American clients. Uh, clients from Europe, Australia, uh, the Middle East, Saudi Arabia, Iran, uh, all over the place. So, wow. so there's a couple of things. Is the the first one is is um, I grew up with a family business, 
Um, yep. And um, I personally found it extremely challenging. Um, how have you found working f- for the family business? Um, frustrating. Yeah. Um, it was uh, when you basically uh, when you got dad and, and his brothers uh, as um, you know the, the head honchos and you're coming in and yeah. uh, and dad basically made me start from the ground up. Yeah. Um, there, there was there was definitely no leeway there, and I actually thank him for that. I yes, uh, I got a very good inside outside uh, view of the business. Yeah, uh, it was highly frustrating um, in the early stages, but then we got um, very professional and we put uh, a CEO in. Right. To, okay. to it. So, so dad was chairman of the board, so to speak, and and looking over it that way, mm-hmm. and and I had my my role as uh, as head of manufacturing um, by the time we got to there. So we had a sort of uh, a linesman or, yeah. or a yeah. referee. Oh, referee, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And, and that, I think, and all the best um, family businesses that I've worked with uh, have all done the same thing. At, at some point in time, yeah. they they bring in professional managers. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it just, yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's an interest it's a, it's an interesting political minefield when you've got your family in in thing. I know from from me, I ended it, it just didn't work out for me. Um, I ended up I ended up um, well, should I say leaving? I was asked to leave. I think that's probably the better <laughs> way of doing it. Um, just because my head wasn't in the right space, I was young, naive, and and stupid, really. Um, yeah. But it was the best lesson in the world. But it was one of those things that I just it was never something I could escape. In the sense of there was always, you know, barbecues, family barbecues. Yeah. And you think, oh, yes, I'm just going to chill out. And then all of a sudden it was, so when's that order done? When are you doing this? When's that yeah. getting done? It's like, oh, wow, okay. So it's it's a it's a real, and, and it always fascinates me when people work for family members because it, I think it, I think you're so right. When you bring someone else in and they start, being, as you say, most likely the referee, I think it just creates a, a, a better understanding and a better control, doesn't it? It certainly does. But not only that, you can actually get above and get focused mm. because someone from outside can actually focus you better yes. um, and, and drill down. Mm. And, um, and, and then, yeah, because Dad and I are very, um, very, very similar. Okay. Uh, in uh, in life. so we used to butt heads quite a bit on a few things. Yeah, yeah, and right. So, so, so sorry, we digressed a little bit there, but that, it's a fascinating thing for me. So, in the sense of we, we talked about you as an internalization architect, how do yep. you how do you describe that? What for you does that mean? Okay, so basically, um, it's it's um, it's like having an architect for a house. Okay, uh, I work with people to build plans to uh, enter new markets. Uh, look, go global, set up family offices, uh, to think beyond borders. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my key phrases is is go beyond borders. Mm-hmm. Uh, we live in a globalized world, and that, that term itself has has a whole heap of meanings, but yeah. um, I look at it as we, we are 100% global. We, the economy, this in, especially in the 21st century, uh, and is global. Your yeah. customers can come from anywhere. You can be a butcher in Outback Alice Springs mm. in Australia selling, you know, kangaroo beef patties to a guy in in uh, in Moscow. Yeah, uh, it it can happen. And uh, if you if you set up and you're structured and you're you're thinking that way, mm. and a lot of it's a change of mindset. So basically, how I look at it is, um, I create a blueprint for you, mm. um, and I work with you for however long you want. Mm. Um, to to achieve a goal, and that could be a 
personal goal, um, get, getting second passports, uh, moving international, uh, going in, and living in Thailand, for instance, or mm. in the south of France, uh, and and looking after you know uh, an investment portfolio. It could be expanding your business into new markets, uh, working with um, manufacturing, say in China, of course, and, and then uh, importing to other places, um, or, or exporting uh, from Australia to, to wherever, or from the UK, or from yeah. uh, wherever. So, so it's about building blueprints. Yeah, and it's 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 a, it's, a, it's it, you are so right because the the world is ridiculous. I mean, I started my business in two thousand and seven. Um, and even from 2007 to today, it's crazy how much smaller the world is. Oh, it's hugely small, yeah. And it yeah. creates it's... that it creates that flexibility and 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 versatility in how, where and who you can work with. I know when I first started, it was you know a coach works with people in their city, and then it was like, oh, yeah. if you're really ambitious or you're really good, you can then work with people in other cities. And my attitude, uh, I guess, it was always a little bit, it always frustrated the other people who I spoke to because it's like, why does it just have to be the UK? And then obviously you get things like Skype and you get things like Zoom and that completely changes the ball game yeah. with how you do it. And it, it, and, it, and it doesn't, I guess, I'm assuming um, for me anyway, I look at it as it doesn't have to be as complicated as initially we may think. Do you find well, that or...? No, um, basically, a lot of the times when um, clients come to me and we have a conversation, mm. um, they think it's extremely complicated. And mm. so I break it down step by step, piece by piece. And it really isn't that complicated. Um, a lot of it's a, just a change of mindset mm. uh, and, and change of outlook. Mm. Uh, and just, just on, you know, this day and age, airfares are cheap. Yeah. So just going to a trade show now in Cologne in Germany or – uh, in Atlanta in the US, which is sort of the big trade show hubs yeah. in those two parts of the world, uh, is is now within reach of anyone. Yeah. So you can go there, make contact with people. Uh, I'm a big believer in face-to-face. -face. Uh, I do a, a, yeah. a, a, basically 80% of my work face-to-face -face with people yeah. uh, if I can. Yeah. And um, it, it just changes the dynamics of, of how business can be done. Yeah. Uh, in some ways, I think we're going back even though it's a lot easier now mm. um, to communicate, but we're still going back to some of the old practices of uh, building long-term relationships, face-to-face yeah. -face meetings, um, and and then just building a, a, re a really good relationship with your with your clients. Yeah, and I suppose we 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 are many business owners are at risk of losing that skill set of communicating face to face because they trust so much on the. If you want the passive way, you know, the emails, yeah. the Facebook, the texts, the WhatsApps, yeah. whatever it is, is there's so many people that seem to to lack that ability to communicate on a face to face level. Yeah, oh, for sure. And what I find is depending on where you want to play in the game, uh, and at, the higher you get up, the larger your corporation gets, or larger your business gets, yep. the more face to face time you end up doing. Yes. A lot of deals, um, uh, that um, that works, and we're, my entire business is structured more as a private equity firm with advisory services mm. uh, than it is as uh, an advisory business with other investments. So we, right. I take it from an investor standpoint, mm. uh, my entire business outlook. So um, we're always looking to integrate and 
and uh, network with people that you wouldn't normally find on LinkedIn or Skype. Yeah. Because um, they're just not there. No. No. And, it, and I suppose those types of people have a very strong um, set of gatekeepers in order to protect them so they can only focus on the things that's really crucial. Yeah, exactly. Um, big gatekeepers. But if you know the right clubs or you find the right introducer, yeah, um, that can knock down a lot of those those barriers. So, brilliant. So if we were to, if we were if we were looking at someone, because um, obviously um, the listeners that um, are on this show, many of them are entrepreneurs, um, yep. you know, holistic practitioners, those sort of things. But I always say is is even though that that is what your work is, the opportunities of creating an international business are really just a few steps away. What would you say are some um, starting points that they could look at to help create that and or start changing that mindset? Um, one of them is, is take, a, take a trip. Um, book a flight, take a trip, and just go and explore something new. Um, if, if you're currently in the UK, um, fly to the US and, yeah. and explore the, your market in the US or fly here to Asia. And, um, and explore the market out there and start to build connections. Mm. Also, um, have, have a, a look at who, who is a mentor in your field that is not in your locale that you can connect with mm. um, or, or join a mastermind group that is of like-minded people looking to do the same sort of thing. Then you can help each other out. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So um, do you have a mastermind group yourself? Uh, yes, um, I, I run one called the Sovereign Capitalist Community, okay. um, which is a mastermind and, um, and community of, of like-minded individuals. We also have one with another business partner of mine, mm. uh, which is called G128, okay. um, and it's, um, it's a mastermind of, um, of business uh, and entrepreneurs, okay. and, um, we work, and, and I'm also a big fan of having mentors and mentoring. Yeah. Yeah. So from your from your experience, because I'm 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 a huge lover of mastermind groups. I talk about it all the time. Um, why? What do you find to be the benefits of a mastermind group? Um, the first one for me is diversity. Yep. Is getting ideas um, by discussion. Mm. So the way that we run a lot of our mastermind groups is, it's a boardroom table. Everyone sits around and everyone gets say forty five minutes to work on their. Um, and we just focus, everyone in the group focuses on them mm. and then we rotate it around. So there's no more than about eight, maybe 10 people in the group at any one time. Yeah. Um, and we, we, by having eight to 10 heads all focused on your business for that hour or that 45 minutes or, or whatever we're, we're doing at the time, um, it's amazing how you can solve problems because basically everyone has probably faced that problem at some point in time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Or or has a uh, an antidote or a, or a story that can lead to to some sort of um, a resolution. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I think that's the thing, isn't it? It's it's people. It is that. It's it's it's. Um, I think Jack Canfield describes it. One plus one does not necessarily equal two. Um, exactly right. You know, when you look at it and you're speaking to someone who, even if they're the same industry, they can have different experiences and those different experiences, you can learn huge amounts from those experiences. But if you yep. can get into a group that has completely different um, 
I guess maybe maybe businesses or or di- maybe at different stages that that will be a complete game changer. Oh yeah, for sure. And when we set up mastermind groups and and we actually have a look at you know okay, okay this person's at this level, this person's at this level. We don't put all the same people together because mm. it it actually levels out. You need up and down the spectrum. Yeah. Not not widely part, so you're not going to put a billionaire with someone who's just starting out. Yeah. Uh, but you'll put, you know, someone who's just reached a million dollars with someone who's at a hundred thousand and, and so forth. And you you build levels. Yeah. Business is a team sport. Yeah. And uh, and we need we need to create the team. Mm. So so um and, and so when you do your your blueprint, what are the um what are the kind of things that you start with? Do you look at the vision of where they want to go and then work it from backwards? How how is it that that sort of um, that blueprint structure works? Yeah, so so when we're we're dealing on the blueprint side of things, it's literally what are you trying to achieve? Um, what's what legacy you want to leave? Hmm. And and who do you, do you want to support on your journey? Yeah. So we take all that into consideration, and a lot of the times, once we've sat down and everyone's thought about it, and we've did, you know, gone through a few steps, the the journey changes from yeah. when they come into it to when they go out. Yeah. And then we sit down and and then we map out the different stages that they need to do to get there. Okay. Um, okay. And if you take someone who's looking to, um, um, you know, expand their business internationally. Hmm. Um, some people, what they'll do is they, they'll go, um, oh, okay, I want to enter China and I want to do this and I want to do that. Well, sometimes it's not that easy. You yeah. know, we've got to work back, okay, so your goal is to enter China. Yeah. Let's have a look at what product. So it might be product A they want to enter with, but it's really easier to enter with product B. Right. Okay, I get you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah, so – it's also looking at, at things that are a bit different and, and more a holistic approach. Yeah, and it's the because I know that um, quite a lot of people who I know who want to work who want to increase their international, they immediately go. I suppose, especially in the personal development, one of their markets is America, but yes. um, America seems such a hard place to try and work from yep. a from a I guess from my point I guess from a position of where I am as a coach or a, a trainer or a speaker. To try and work over in in the US seems like such a hard a hard market to crack, even though I do have a British accent. Yes, and <laughs> what what I find, especially in the coaching um, education world, is that the US is so saturated. Yeah. Now. Yeah. Um, that sometimes it's it's just well let, let's forget it. But mm. what what everyone forgets with the the uh, the Americas is you got Canada. Yeah. Canada's not as saturated as the US, but it's still got the same, um, the, the same sort of build to it. Yeah, uh, yeah. and and the people are, are very similar. Mm. Mm. Um, you've also then, if you look further down down through the Americas, you've got some countries that are growing at a fast rate. So uh, places like Panama, for instance, and uh, or if you go into the Caribbean, Bermuda, mm. uh, uh, St Kitts and Nevis, Antigua. They've all got established communities, so you might be able to find your niche there. Mm. Or you might look at Australia, New Zealand. Okay, they're they're, they're smaller markets, but they poss- possibly they're more profitable markets. Mm. 
Yeah. And then if you if you wanted to do something a bit different, is go, well, okay, I'm doing delivering mine in English. Well, Spanish is one of the largest languages in the world. So what about if I teamed up with someone in a Spanish-speaking country, mm. rejigged all my material in Spanish? So if you yeah. go to the US, for instance, um, I, th- I think there's 18% of the population or something is Spanish-speaking. Yeah. So deliver the material in Spanish, but when you go and and target the Spanish community. Mm. So it's finding a niche inside your niche. So be a coach, Mm. um, well, they're niched down into a certain community inside that that, um, thing rather than just trying to target everyone. Yeah, no, that's really interesting because I've never thought of it in that way niching yeah. within the this that sort of thing and changing maybe the language or, or something like that. And that's an interesting I suppose it, it does, it takes you into a different a different direction, but within the same way you want to deliver the content. Yes. And and you've already got the content. Yeah. It's just partnering with someone that can deliver it for you in a different way. Okay, welcome to the second part of the show. This is the opportunity I get to put Stephen on the hot seat and ask him a set of questions that I ask every single guest who appears on the show. So are you ready, Stephen, with bated breath? Ready. (laughs) Okay, question number one is, how much time do you spend on self-development a week? Two to three hours. Okay, fantastic. What is your favourite personal development book and why? Richard Branson's The Virgin Way. Okay. And why and why just, is that? Um I just love the simplicity of uh, of the the messages. Okay. And 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 how he he operates. Brilliant. Okay. Um question number 3 is what is your favorite app? Google. <laughs> Google anything. <laughs> uh, Are you a Google a G a, a G Suite um user and Chromebook and stuff as well? Uh, so I'm um, not Chromebook, but um, I definitely use all the Google Docs apps. Yeah. We have we run our companies uh, all on G Suite. So yeah. every company has its own G Suite account. Okay. Um, so I can log in anywhere in the world or anyone can log in anywhere in the world and, and update documents or, or do whatever we want to do. Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah, okay. It, it, it makes life so much easier when everyone uses the same platform. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So we're all Mac and, and Google. Yeah. So. Oh, see, after my own heart. Okay. <laughs> Got to have a Mac. <laughs> Definitely. I, I don't interview anyone that uses PC. It's one, of, it's one <laughs> of the new questions. Okay. So question number four is, what's your biggest business mistake and what did it teach you? Um, starting, starting a microbrewery way before the trend happened. It cost me a million dollars. Wow. Okay. <laughs> okay. And what was was that based in Australia, or were you doing it somewhere else? No, based in Australia. Okay. Okay. And what and what type was it? Sort of lager, or was it old beer, or what? What sort of stuff was it that you did? We're doing. Uh, so we were doing wheat based beers. Okay. Um, and we were about five years ahead of the curve. Timing's not my thing. No. <laughs> no, but foresight is. So at least, yeah, you had the idea before anyone else. So yes, maybe really, who, really. maybe you started it. <laughs> who knows? Okay, question. Well, <laughs> I ended up buying all our equipment anyway. So. Oh well, there you go. <laughs> question <laughs> number five is: What are your challenges in balancing life and work, and how do you manage them? Keeping control of my diary. Okay. Um, having tracks my personal assistant 
um, hound me on a daily basis to keep on keep on track. Cool. Okay. And it's yeah. and, and 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 that is and when you use your um when you use your, your diary, does your diary have you know personal days? You know, or, yes. or, uh, right? Okay. And how do you yes, when well, you when you plan that? how long have you been doing it with all of your personal stuff and everything in as well? Um, so I've been doing that now for probably since 2010. Okay. Um, uh, every, um, every Sunday, unless I'm traveling, uh, is completely blocked out in my diary for personal development, do nothing, go for a ride on a bus. Um, it's just me. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Okay. And question number six is, what advice would you give an entrepreneur that you wish you had had starting out? So you wish you wish you had known starting out? Uh, don't, don't be afraid to do it. Okay. Uh, and don't overthink. Okay. Okay. Can we, we go a little bit deeper on that? So okay. don't be afraid? Um, yeah. So one of the things that I did when I, I stepped out on my own uh, outside of the family business was – um, I hesitated a lot, okay. um, thinking that I needed a perfect product or I needed a perfect something. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's not about being perfect. It's about execution and doing. Question number seven is, what is your definition of success? Cre- um, creating a legacy. Okay. So being, being known for something after you're gone. Brilliant. Yeah. Okay. And do... When you look at that, do you look at is that from a the personal side and the professional side, or is it, do you just focus on one element of that? Um, for me, it's my foundation. Okay. Um, I, and I've I've started the Creator Foundation um, for Oceanic Protection. Okay. Uh, and research. Okay. Um, so yeah, so for me, it's um, it's a more personal than a, a business. Yeah. Okay. Brilliant. Excellent. So question number eight is the life lesson question. So you get to pick a number between one and fifty, and we see what comes up. It's based on a lesson that I've I've learnt over the years, um, and it, you're fine to disagree with it because that's the idea of the concept of a lesson. So pick a number between one and fifty, Stephen. Forty-two is humor is the best medicine. So for me, it's it was no matter how dark times were. One of the things I realised is is when I lost my sense of humour, things got a hell of a lot worse. And I think you know we're always going to have challenges. Life is always going to throw us curveballs. But actually, if you can maintain a good level of humour and get and actually laugh, it is it can be that a great way to break the 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 negative cycle that you may be stuck in at the time. Whether that's you know watching. Uh, stand-up comedy or reading a book that you find funny or or sometimes i just used to sit and watch youtube stupid videos just to try and get me to to laugh um quite often they were at someone else's expense so i do apologize for that bit but i'm just wondering what you think about that one yeah for sure um maintaining your sense of humor throughout your personal life your business life your social life i think is um is very important Mm. um and when you lose that, and and people around me know, you know, when I've I, I stopped telling dad jokes as everyone keeps telling me, mm. um, that uh, they know something's wrong. So, okay. and uh, I, I've got a tendency 
to bottle it up first and then then I explode and yes. and, and away we go. Yeah. But yeah, so being able to and also being able to laugh at yourself. Yeah. And not take yourself too seriously as well. I, I think is part of it. But yeah, yeah, I love watching YouTube videos as well. Yeah. There's yeah. just sometimes we just need to, don't we? Oh yeah. Um <laughs> uh, sometimes I also like to do it that I laugh to clear my head as in yeah. I don't want to sit there just thinking, thinking, thinking. I just want to go and do something that is totally devoid from yeah. what's happening. Yeah, it's good to sort of create that physical mental break to go in. Yeah. And sometimes walking or, you know, going to get a glass of water doesn't do it. You just need to do something completely off the – out of the ballpark, so to speak. Yeah, and that's why I love the, the real – the or the B-grade movies that, yeah. that are just – they're just so out there. Yeah. And they just distract you and they make you laugh and yeah. – you know, realise that life's not all that serious. No, and you sit there and wonder, how much money did they get paid for this? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. So, yeah. so and, and now's an opportunity for you just to be able to share how people can find out more about you, if you've got anything that's, um, that you want to promote or anything like that, and uh, the floor yep. is yours. Okay, so um, uh, com is my, my personal website, um, on there, and it's it's all new. Um, uh, I uh, I lived in the shadows for a long period of time, and now I'm I'm starting to build it all and come out together. So anyone can contact me there if they want to know if, any more information. Uh, I co-wrote a book with um, a business partner of mine on scaling your business. You can grab a copy of that there. Uh, you can ask me any questions you want from there, and eventually you'll be able to take a uh, a small quiz on. Um, is the sovereign life for you. So mm. uh, that's something that's coming up as well. Brilliant. Okay. And what we'll also do is we'll put all of your um, social media contacts and everything else as well on the show notes, just so yeah. people can follow you and and, um, and find out more about you on a continuous basis. Um, Definitely. Stephen, it's just, thank you very much for joining me. I've, I've really enjoyed it. Um, and I, I wish you the greatest success. Thank you. And uh, it's been a great being on the show. Brilliant. You take care of yourself. Excellent. Will do. So first of all, just let me say a massive thank you for joining me today. It's lovely to know that you're out there listening. And it's great to have the emails that I get from you with suggestions about the show and what you think about the show. That's really nice. Really does help me make the show even better. If you'd like to find out more about me and the types of services I offer or my social media links, then please visit www.jeffnicholson.uk. You can also join us on the Facebook page. Just search for Success IQ Podcast, and that's a new page that we've put up that I'm trying to grow and develop. So you can tune in and find us on other stations such as Stitcher, SoundCloud, TuneIn Radio, and of course iTunes. And if you have the time, it would be great if you could pop over there, leave a rating, leave a review, because it really does help me grow the show and make the impact that I'm really looking for. So just to say, I hope you have a fantastic week. I wish you the greatest success, and I look forward to speaking to you next week. Take care.